Hi, I'm Zainab and welcome to Project Millennial, a space for burned out millennials looking to live life more on their terms. Here, we'll be sharing stories and insights from other millennials and also going deeper into topics like personal development, life, career, money and so much more. Essentially, we're moving away from autopilot and making more intentional decisions. This episode is for doctors who are curious about the pharmaceutical industry. So my next guest is a clinical research physician and shares his experience of what that is like. We cover what the role usually entails, what he does on a normal day, what the team looks like, what the pay is like, and so much more. If you've ever wondered about the different roles in pharma, we cover that too. By the end of this episode, you should have a good understanding of what it looks like to work in pharma. I'll be speaking to Nubli, who specialised in paediatrics and neonatology. He left the NHS in 2018 when he accepted an offer to work as a clinical research physician for a private company. In the last two years, he has been involved with over 50 clinical trials, contributed in clinical development of new medicine that will benefit millions of people around the world. Hi, hi, Nubli. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. So today we wanted to talk about how it's what it's like for, you know, medics moving into the pharma industry. And as someone who's done that yourself, I thought we could have a conversation about it and find out more. So my first question is, could you tell us a little bit more about your journey? Yeah, sure. So, um, so basically, I graduated in from University of Belfast in two thousand eleven, um, and then after that, I've been doing my training in England uh, for my F one and F two, and then continue into uh, pediatric training and pediatric jobs. But I do realize that you know, work shift sort of long shift and weekend shift. I don't mind, but. You know, I'm not kind of night old type of person. I usually have to go back early and wake up early. So night shift has been always a problem for me. And then, you know, around ST3, ST4, I realized that, you know, I have to be doing night shift for at least three, four years, five years. So I thought, you know, I, I, can't, I can't keep doing that for the next few years. So I thought, you know, let's jump and do something else. And then this term, clinical research physician, pop up to me one day on the internet. And then I realized there are so many jobs out there as a clinical research physician. Um, since January 2018, I've been working as a clinical research physician. Okay. Oh, so interesting. So you left, how, how long after you leaving medicine did you start working um, as a clinical research physician? Oh, no, I mean, uh, I, when I left, I was in training. So when I put my resignation letter, I was an ST4 in pediatrics. Mm-hmm. I was a neonatal registrar. So basically, I didn't do anything else in between. I just moved straight from sort of acute training post, which was pediatric post, into clinical research physician straight. Oh, wow. What was that like? What were your emotions at the time? Um, I mean, it was a challenge. I, I, I remember to, at, at that time to have a thought that you would leave NHS for good and actually not working as an NHS doctor anymore. The thought was scary. 
because if you stay in in NHS, you know that the job is there. You know that you will get a certain amount of salary, which is, to be honest, is more than what many people got in this country anyway. So the certainty, the, the fear of unknown, that was something that quite not nice at that time. And I think um, what I think I'm I'm sort of lucky because you know I'm still single at that time and now um, I don't have any um, financial commitment. Let's say pay mortgage. I don't have any kids, so I can take the risk to have a bit of pay cut. Okay, so can I ask what the salary was? So usually the entrance level for clinical research physician without any experience will be between 50 to 60 thousand pound per year. Okay, so the pay itself sounds pretty good. And okay, so you went in after ST4. Do you think someone who graduated from medical school could just go into pharma straight like that? Uh, the straight answer is no. <laughs> so, so basically, I think in terms of experience, there are a few components. Number one, you need to have, let's say if you come from abroad, you are experienced doctor, but if you don't have any NHS experience, and then it's quite difficult for a company in the UK to take you because to work in clinical settings in clinical research, you will need that NHS experience. I've seen some company who say that you need to be at least finish your F2. That's the earliest that you can jump in. But so in, in, in pharmaceutical medicine, there's something called pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical medicine specialty training. So you have to think long term. If you think as and in the future, if you want to do pharmaceutical medicine specialty training, which is a four-year program and you get CCT after that, uh, the, re the requirement is to have four years after medical school. So if you jump after F2, it may affect you in terms of elig eligibility to apply for PMST training in the future. My advice for people is always, always make sure that number one, you have four years, at least four years post-medical school. And I always have people to at least have some sort of Royal College membership, anything, anything will do. MRCP, MRCS, MRCPCH, anything will do. So just so that, you know, you have something on your CV. Okay, so you are a clinical research physician. What does yes. that mean? <laughs> the pharmaceutical company basically have a molecule that they want to prove that this molecule can treat X, Y, Z disease. To prove that that medication work, they can't do the trial themselves. The work of running a clinical trial need to go to a third party. And this is when a small company like site management organization, clinical trial company, clinical research organization, that's when all this company come from. So basically like my company, we took contract from many pharmaceutical companies, big and small, and then we run the clinical trial on their behalf. Mm. And then we provide them with the data. So, so there's a set of data that they want how to run the trial. There's something called protocol. Protocol is basically 
a, a, a standard book on how they want you to run the trial, who they want, what kind of subject they want into the trial, what medication they want you to give, what measure or what, what data you need to collect in that journey of that trial. And then when you got the data, you give it back to the sponsor and then they might, you know, they, they, they always back and forth or they're going to ask you about the data that they get them. In terms of query, you answer them. So my job as a clinical trial physician is basically to run the clinical trial. That's the gist of it. I need to read the protocol, which is usually 100 pages, 200 pages plus. And then there's something else called investigative brochure. That's another, I don't know, 100, 200, sometimes 300 pages. You have to understand the inclusion and exclusion criteria of the study, the procedure of the study, what needs to be done during the study, and then basically recruit participants into the study, make sure they're suitable, uh, do informed consent when they come to the clinic, enroll them into the study, and then give them the, the medication that needs to be tested, and then you have to follow them up, uh, collect data that needs to be collected. That could be either in terms of clinical ratings that include you know, ECG, blood test, physical examination, and then you follow them up for the duration of the trial, let's say six, six weeks. And then at the end of six weeks, they come back for follow-up. And then that's the end of one subject. And then you move to the next subject. So you might be managing, you know, between two to 10 to 15 to 20 uh, clinical trial participants at one time. That's just for one study. Uh, so so that's, that's the main gist of the clinical research vision. So basically, it's for those who still like some patient contact, but want to go away from the acute setting. So that's the perfect job, I would think. For that kind of person. Okay, so I'm just going to ask you a few questions just to break that down a little bit. So you get, um, what did you call them? These 100, 200 pages, they're the, the I guess, the rules the, that you have to follow? Yeah, so a, a protocol. So the protocol. How long will it take yes. you to read that protocol? So, so basically every protocol have similar structures. Okay. So you can see when it. I first, yeah. So when I first started, I have to read from page one to the last page. <laughs> There's no skipping. And then after you've been reading 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 protocols, and then you know which one you want to, you need to read. Mm. And which one you sort of, sort of, oh, I already know this page because usually that section similar to the trial or this, 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 this particular section, you know, it doesn't really matter to me because I'm just doing the clinical bit. Mm -hmm. So when you first started, was there someone that I guess helped you, mentored you, or was it a case of learning by yourself? So my company have several sites. So the main site is in Manchester and the medical director base in Manchester. So I'm basically was mentored by my boss, which is the medical director. People always ask me whether you need any research experience to come into the clinical trial world or not. My answer always is, you know, you don't need any 
any any particular sort of experience because the training will be provided when you first start and then after that you know you just you just go and start the patient and then you will learn more by doing running the trial but the initial the the, the basics training will be provided oh, okay so that's good do you tend to work alone most of the time or is it with other people and this is before corona so in my settings usually i have one or two doctors in my department and then at the place i work they also have another department with their own doctors and i have those guys as well so i would imagine even if you go to a smaller smaller company smaller site you will have at least one other doctor with you maybe more so i, I don't think that's a, that, that's an issue in terms of mm-hmm. training because usually you know you you will have some help or some guidance in one way or another okay okay so how i'm imagining it is that you probably work in an office and then perhaps you then have clinic rooms is that right usually from what i've i've i've, I've seen so far you know they put you in sort of big office with everyone else that's where you do all your work that's where your computer are um and then when a participant come and then they will go into a clinic room and then you just join them in the clinic room to do the whatever the, the screening visit the ecg the blood test so there is this sort of clinical area and there's the office area that's how we describe it okay do you have nurses or do you do all of it so uh, yes so so basically the team usually are doctors nurses clinical trial coordinator or what we call study coordinator and then you have clinical trial assistant and then some some company they might also have some sort of um, data manager so usually you will be sort of leading the team like in my case the nurses the study coordinators they will do all the bloods the observation the ecg but you know if there is any issue like difficult blood sampling difficult calculation and obviously as a doctor you would be expected to do it mm-hmm. so yeah so you you mentioned that you normally have quite a few trials going on at the same time in terms of your workload um how do you compare it to medicine is it very heavy is it very light does it vary so taken from my experience the the, the workload usually very usually if you're busy you'll be busy for a period of time few weeks maybe a month or two and then when all the studies sort of start to cool down and then you you have more and more free time that you can do and you can do many other things um but this is the way i think you know regardless how busy it is in the clinical trial you do know that at how four and five you can drop everything and go home which you can't do in the hospital or you know if if someone sick someone at resource you can't just have look at the clock five o'clock bye bye see you later you can't do that in in clinical world uh but you know in clinical trial it doesn't matter how busy you are you might have you know back to back meetings you have back to back patients um you have minimal break but you know at the end at half 4 or 5 you can go home there's no there's no long shift okay 
Uh, so my next question is sort of what the kind of range of um, roles that are available to medics, would you be able to go through them? So let's say clinical research physician, the next step will be a senior clinical research physician or associate medical director and after that you become medical director and after that you become chief medical officer and then if you have aptitude for business you can do MBA and become CEO that kind of thing. Uh, in terms of other branches of pharmaceutical specialties you have medical writing, you have pharmacovigilance, you have medical affairs, you have drug safety, you have the development physician. Can you talk about each of those uh, briefly? The medical affairs is about managing the, the trial at higher level. Mm -hmm. That's how I understand it. Pharmacovigilance is about collecting data uh, when there is adverse event from clinical trial and managing um, the adverse event from clinical trial. Um, development physician is about preclinical area when you have a molecule and then you run sort of animal study and then you run sort of laboratory study. So you more get involved with preclinical pre bit of development of the drugs. Um, and then medical monitor, medical director, you know, that still running the trial of the clinical side, but it's, um, it's, but at the same time, you do the management job as well. That's the way I put it. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's a good enough sort of summary so that people can get a, a small understanding about what the different yeah. things mean. So what other things should people have on their, because you've mentioned CV a few times, what are the things that strengthens a CV? Uh, there's something called good clinical practice course. So good clinical practice is basically the, the, the bread and butter of clinical trial. I was lucky because when I was in training, I was GCP trained, it just like half a day course. I went to the course for free. And then that's when into my CV. And I can guarantee you, if you go to any interview, entry level, you will get asked about GCP. And then, you know, and then I, 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 I common stuff that people would put in their CV. For example, presentation. If you have poster presentation, if you have oral presentation, if you have publication, that will help with your CV. That, any, any of this will help. That's good advice. In terms of interviews, what do they ask you in your interview? Do you remember? Um, tell me about yourself, mm -hmm. why you want to do, why you want this job, why you want to apply for this company. I think why you want to apply for this company, that will be a bit more tricky. Good clinical practice. I think that question always come up. Interesting. So if you could choose a random day and just go through between nine and five, what you would be doing? So let's say I have first patient at nine o'clock. So I arrive at work at half eight. I turn on my computer, just look at the new emails if there is anything that needs to be action. Anything, it could be an uh, issue about patient. It, it could be that uh, someone asks you about a new study. 
it could be uh, the sponsor, which is a pharmaceutical company, ask you a question about a particular issue. Uh, it could be that you need to do any training for upcoming studies. So just try to sort out, you know, urgent emails that you need to do that day. And then it just depends how busy that day would be. You know, you might be seeing two, three, four patients. That same few patients that may, might take you through lunch. There could be more patients until after lunch. It just depends how busy the day is. There could be meetings like medical meetings, uh, project kickoff meeting, internal meeting. There's, there's just a lot of different meetings. Uh, different training it just depends email sometimes some query that come into your email may take a bit longer because it's a bit more complex so it's a combination of I would say seeing patients meetings and answering your emails that's one of the big things <laughs> awesome okay thank you so much for that what is the hardest part of your job I guess you know, sometimes people, sometimes people keen to come into the trial. Uh, people come into trial for many, for many reasons, mm. but the number of people who come to trial just because they want to participate, they, they want to contribute to the science itself. But sometimes, you know, someone come into the trial and then you check the history, you do blast, you do ECG. Sometimes one of these it make them not suitable to get into the trial. Oh, a health reason? For health reason, for example, uh, let's say if they have some minor abnormality in the blood test, it doesn't mean they're not healthy. It's just a bit of out, of out of range. That's one of the hardest bit to tell people that, you know, you're not suitable for this trial, sorry, but, you know, I want, I want to recruit you, but I just couldn't. So I think that's one of the hardest things. My, one of my last questions was going to be, so who do you think this would be a good transition for? What kind of medic, in terms of qualities, would this be good for? I, I, you know, I always discuss this with my boss. I do not think that you need to be anything special to, to work as a clinical research physician. You don't, you, need, you don't need to be a genius, that's for sure. As long as you willing to learn new stuff and adapt your practice, mm -hmm. you know, basically any medic can be a research physician. But sometimes people thought working in, in, in pharmaceutical is like a, a fairy tale. It's like, you know, everything will be okay. But, you know, I have seen people who come and work as a research physician and then few months later realize that that's not for them and then they leave but do you not think but, there are a tip a particular kind of person who might enjoy this more than someone else i mean if if you are into academics you might enjoy more compared to anyone else but you know like i said before you don't have to be into academics you don't have to be good into academics to get into research position so you essentially say that people can do it as a job uh, anyone can do it as a job yes <laughs> okay but people but people still leave because i guess it's not the right fit for them but you don't know unless you try yeah i would say so well thank you so much Nubli. that was a very informative interview
No problem. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you're listening on Apple, please leave me a rating because it increases the chance of us being found. So I kept this episode short on purpose as I'm still playing around with the format. I want to make as much of these career interviews as possible. So the aim is that you can hear about lots of different career paths in a short space of time. You can let me know what career paths you're interested in hearing about by messaging me on Instagram or on my blog, Mind the Medic, or on my YouTube channel, Z the Millennial. And I will see you soon for my next episode. Bye.